We're now listening to the Nick's State of Mind podcast, presented by Elite Sports Radio. And now, your hosts, Chip Murphy and Matt Castillo. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Nick's State of Mind podcast. I'm Matt Castillo with Chip Murphy, and the NBA season is finally here. You know, I, I didn't think this offseason was very long. I thought it moved along pretty fast. You know, I know we have that, that time every summer right after free agency where things kind of slow down a little bit, and you don't have as much to talk about. There's not much going on. Uh, but I felt like through that little period right there, I know you know we've had some scheduling conflicts, so we missed some shows. That kind of helped speed it up a little bit. But even throughout the off season, um, this it, it felt quick. You know, it, most people didn't even know preseason happened the week before when the season started around here. Uh, so it, it's already upon us. The Knicks obviously got a win against the Hawks on opening night. Um, Surprised a lot of people. I don't know why. We'll get into that in a second. You know, it was the Atlanta Hawks, but either way, they took care of business with the 126 107 uh, victory. So we're just going to break down what we think so far in this first game. And Chip, I'm going to start with you. Uh, What did you get? What did you take from this win? Well, uh, the pessimistic uh, Nick fan in me took, wow, the Hawks are really going to be bad this year. Right. That was my first take, of course. But uh, looking at it, obviously, more closely, I rewatched some of the game, too. Uh, how can you not be impressed with uh, Iso Zo, man? Oh, oh yes. my God. He's so much fun to watch. Uh, five of nine last. He played 26 minutes, right. too. Fisdale played him 26 minutes. Five of nine, 15 points. I mean, he he's just pure energy. Too. The crowd loves him, right? I, uh, but Noah Vaughn like too. Yes, five of five, twelve and ten. Uh, I look. I I was happy with everything I saw. I, I know Kevin Knox had a rough game. It was his first game at Madison Square Garden too. So he took sixteen shots. He only made four. He took a lot of bad shots, but he was hyped up. He was playing at the Garden, first game of his career, regular season career, whatever. But, uh, look, I I even like some of what I saw from Mario Hazonia last night, yes. and I thought he was brutal. I thought he was brutal in the preseason. Yep. Um, I was also <laughs> – Ron Baker played, like, almost 30 minutes last night. I was pretty surprised by – yeah, 27 minutes. Yeah, I think that was Baker because Baker played last score. night. We yeah, true, yeah, true, true. Yeah, they had the big lead. It was a a blowout, but uh, he was playing consistent minutes too. And uh, it's clear, the thing that I was happy to see was that uh, Fisdale went with a small lineup. Uh, I love that he went with Burke, Frank, and Hardaway. I love that small that he had no problem going with an unorthodox lineup like that because that's the kind of thing that Hornacek never would have done 
and he had Frank guarding uh, Tory and Prince for Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta's small forward, and like that's the kind of thing Hornacek never would have done. Like, but Frank should be guarding Tory and Prince because Frank can guard Tory and Prince. He has the length, he has the height now, and uh, he just be. Look, he can guard Trey Young too, but I think you put that responsibility maybe on Trey Burke because they're similar heights there. And Trey Burke did a good job on Trey Young. Trey Young didn't have a good game. So, yeah, the thing that I was most uh, excited about was the starting lineup with the three guards there. And it was fun to watch. They played fast. Trey Burke obviously loves playing fast. We know Tim Hardaway loves playing fast. Ennis Cantor loves to run too. He had a double-double, surprise, surprise, and it was just fun to watch. These guys are loving this new offense, and it's it's fun to watch. It really is. There was nothing not to like about last night, but it was against the Hawks, so <laughs> let's right. take it easy. <laughs> and my takeaways from it, Chip, you touched a lot of some of the guys that I also was going to discuss, obviously, starting Right off the bat, with with the guy that you know is just so impressive, but that's a laundry career. Uh, I mean, I, I tweeted out yesterday. How did this guy not get drafted? You know, what what did people not see uh, from him? I, I watched him in college, and I always was impressed. So I, once the Knicks got him uh, as an undrafted free agent, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say oh, I, I saw this coming. No, that's not not the case, but. You know, I was happy. I thought that was solid, and it made sense to give him a, a, a chance. And because again, I thought he was going to be drafted for sure. Uh, did not happen, obviously. And you know, that's everybody else's mistake. And the Knicks did another great job. I'm telling you, I really do like what the Knicks have done since Phil Jackson has been out of the picture with the draft and bringing in some young guys after the draft and. Uh, I know Knox wasn't great last night. I think that he was he was playing a little too out of control. I think he forced a lot of shots up uh, and just tried a little too hard. I think you know being opening night uh, looked it looked a little overwhelmed. And he's a young guy. You he'll be fine. You know he has the skill set, but um, yeah, Landre Trier just looks like he belongs. I mean that dunk at the I believe it was the end of the third quarter. Uh, even had a reaction from me. I, I that fired me up a good bit right there to see. We have a guy that's taking it to the lane like you know he's he's going to break down the rim. Why we we haven't had guys like that explosiveness. That's one thing I like about him. He just comes on the floor and he's fearless. He's just playing hard. He's playing free. You know you you can just see that in his play. So uh, very impressed by his start. And hopefully that continues. Now, you know, Ron Baker did play those big minutes. I kind of said I think it was more because we had that big lead. Uh, you know, he he's going to run the system. He's going to to get the offense going. He's going to play hard. I know all that. But again, this is something I've I've said before. I want to see him hit those open shots. Just hit your. You're not. He doesn't need to score ten points a game for to get production out of. You know, he took three shots last night. Make two of them. Make two of those shots right there. You and I think they were all three pointers. Yeah, he was zero for three from behind the arc. He makes two of those. It's six points. Hit two big threes. That's the one thing that's missing. Uh, Vonley, very impressed by him. 
Uh, we'll see if his minutes increase off the bench. Uh, you know, I always kind of thought, and I was thinking to this myself, watching him, you know, Kyle Quinn was solid, but there were some times that he would be up, sometimes that he would be down. Maybe Vonley can be more of a consistent player off the bench. Um, I love the energy that he brought. You know, 10 rebounds, 12 points in just 16 minutes, a double-double in just 16 minutes play. That's pretty darn good. Uh, that's a really good night. And, you know, it, Trey Burke was great. Um, I just now, now through all this, uh, actually, let me finish up my point. I'll get to something because I, I just got to get that off my chest. But anyway, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. I, I've said I think he's going to have a, a bigger year this year. I think that he's going to settle in a little bit more. I think last year was trying to live up to that contract, and guess what? He's never going to. That's just the way it is. But I can at least tolerate if he's going to be more consistent. Uh, this is game one against the Hawks. I'm not going to sit here and say, I told you guys so. It's it's just one game. Uh, but he was outstanding last night of 10-22 shooting, 31 points. That's just really solid. Uh, but where I was getting at is, my goodness, um, one thing that drives me crazy is overreaction in the regular season. And this is game one. And... Yeah, Nick fans, I, I know you want to be positive. You want to, you, you should be happy the Knicks played like this and won a the game. They, they won the game, that's good. But can we stop pretending like we we weren't supposed to beat the Hawks? You know, it's the Hawks. We're gonna beat them. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot like, oh, I think this team's gonna surprise people. We'll be a playoff contender. All that good stuff. Uh, they keep trying to compare Trey Burke to Allen Iverson just because he has the corn rolls. No, no. <laughs> That's not no. I mean, he's been solid. Don't get me wrong, but don't 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 do that. That's a big no no. And look, it's just game one against a team that we should beat. Yeah, it's again. I take it. I'm happy the way they looked, but this does not mean that we are contenders because we beat the Hawks. The Hawks are going to be in the top three uh, of this year's draft. Okay, they're they're that bad. They're that bad. I mean, they have Vince Carter starting for him. He's 41 years old, and the rest are just young you should kids. Be, you should beat the teams that are trying to lose. Exactly. And the Hawks are trying to lose. So <laughs> They I, constructed a roster to lose. Chip, I, I saw layup line layups that the Hawks had, and they missed them. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> it's again, I, don't get me wrong. I am thrilled the Knicks won, but let's not overreact. It was a nice yeah. win, but... It's the Hawks. That's that simple as that. Let's not get too high on this, uh, especially just being game one. And other than that, though, you know, I did like what I've seen from all those guys I mentioned. Uh, Frank Nielakina, you know, came out, hit his first three pointer, and then looked like he didn't want to shoot the basketball every time that he did. He was kind of like short arming them. That's why he was missing off the front part of the rim, and it's just frustrating. Um, you know, I know his game is not really offense, and he's going to impact more defensively and uh, have his hands in a lot of different things. But, yeah, I, I think Frank is a guy that I know a lot of people want to see start. He played 34 minutes, uh, not much offensive production from him. I, I do think if some of these guys, you know, especially like Kevin Knox, who was going to start in his place, he started every preseason game. He just had a rough preseason. I think if Knox can show some consistency, I think Neil Akina is probably a guy that could drop out 
of uh, the starting lineup. Maybe you know Lance Thomas again, kind of does those things that that don't show up on the box score, which drives people crazy. You see, just the sixteen minutes, uh, three points of one or two shooting. Uh, got into some foul trouble a little bit too, but uh, maybe he's somebody that might not start every game this year. And probably uh, not. No. Yeah, but he will play. Right, he will play though. Right, you know, and I think Fisdale kind of likes him out there, and and I think coaches see what a lot of fans don't see, and that's the things that don't show up on the box score. That's what he can do. And I know you're thinking, uh, how do you play 16 minutes and you only have three points? Or those games that he has no points? Yeah, if he's like 0 for six, that's a bad night. But he does some things well. Um, but I don't know if he's going to be a starter at this point. And Chip, I, I was going to see. Do you know if Courtney Lee has been hurt or is he just there's out like of rotation? a neck, there's a neck uh, injury or something that is apparently keeping him out of the games. Yeah. I wasn't sure either completely, but uh, apparently he is practicing. But his neck isn't healthy enough for him to uh, play in games yet. So mm. I'm not sure where he fits into the rotation when he comes back, though. There's, right. Uh, they're trying that. to trade him. That's really the, yeah, the deal. Well, they're definitely trying to yeah. definitely trying to trade him, but they have no leverage right now. Yeah. And, because uh, because they've been trying to trade him for a year and a half. It's, it's again, we talk about this a lot. That's a guy that can really help out some teams. So I, I'm they got to get some kind of deal done for him, but it doesn't help when he's not on the floor right now, obviously. It doesn't help when he's not on the floor right. and he's making like $11 million. Exactly, so exactly. No one's going to want to take that contract. I mean, it is, and it, it's not expiring, right? There's another year on it? I think there's another year on it. I, I think could be he wrong. does, so it's controllable. But I think he has, yeah, he has one more year on it. Yeah. Yep. Well, basically, summing up, nice win. But it's the Hawks. We should beat them. Uh, 126-107 was the final score. We are going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to look at tomorrow night's matchup. By the time you guys hear this podcast, it will be a few hours perhaps before tip-off between the Nets and the Knicks. So we're going to talk about that game, what to kind of expect, some of the the storylines there, and uh, give some of our predictions. So we'll be back in just a moment. Hi everybody, Matt Castillo here, writer at EliteSports.com and co-host of the Next State of Mind podcast. Just wanted to take this time to thank the fans and remind listeners to follow our social media pages. You can find us on Twitter at NYKSOM Podcast or on our Facebook page at the Next State of Mind podcast. Come be a part of the discussion. We want to hear from you and talk about the Knicks. Welcome back to the Knicks State of Mind podcast. So in segment one, we broke down the Knicks win against the Hawks. Now, game two of the season will be uh, Friday night at 7 o'clock. It is uh, one of those games that everybody gets fired up about because both fan bases hate each other. They both want to beat each other. And, of course, that is the Brooklyn Nets and the New York Knicks. So, Chip, I'll start with you. Uh, We know there's been that smash talk between uh you know some of the Nets players and Cantor and you know we're better than the Knicks and you know Cantor uh you know had that preseason game against them where he had like 20 rebounds and like 20 points uh kind of showing them up a little bit there but what are some of your thoughts heading into this game how do you think this plays out well yeah the like you said there's been some trash talk Dinwiddie and Cantor have gone uh, back and forth and 
these uh, the fans obviously on Twitter of both teams really don't like each other. Right. Like there's a legitimate dislike. I think with the players, I think it's more of like a friendly rivalry. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's becoming more of a rivalry than it was before. But uh, the Knicks swept the Nets last year. They went four and zero against them. So they really don't. Uh, they see him as like a little brother kind of thing, and that bothers the Nets. And I think the Nets feel like the Knicks without Porzingis, they they could finish ahead of them in the division this year. Especially because a lot of people are picking the Knicks to finish last in the division this year. I've seen a lot of yep. people picking them to the Nets to finish higher than the Knicks, and that never happens. I mean, uh, I think the Knicks have more talent on their roster with Porzingis on the roster, obviously. But the Nets have the Nets have good players on that team. I mean, you saw what uh, – I don't know if you saw any of that game they played against the Pistons, Matt. They lost. But uh, um, Karis LeVert, that kid, oh, my God. Yep. He is something – he's something special. Right. I mean, he scored 27 points. Dinwiddie had 23, and look, D'Angelo Russell, the jury's still out on that guy. Like, he got outplayed by Levert and Dinwiddie. I think he, I don't even think he hit 10 points. Like, so I'm not really worried about the Nets because, as far as I'm concerned, it all really comes down to D'Angelo Russell with them, and he's so hot and cold. Like I said, it was the biggest night of the year for them and you know the season opener and he came out and scored eight points so i mean (laughs) the guy's hot and cold but uh yeah technically it will be on the road tomorrow um it's going to be in brooklyn but as we know whenever the Knicks play in new york they always have more fans anyway um so I'm not really worried. I think the Knicks are probably going to win, especially they'll be riding high off uh, the opener. Uh, and they have a night of rest, too. It's not like it's a back-to-back. So, uh, yeah, I think I think the Knicks take it. I think that uh, – plus the Nets still have a couple of uh, new pieces that they're trying to work into the rotation, too, like the Knicks are. Um, yeah, I like the Knicks in this one. You know, this is one of those things where, you know, as I was talking about, I don't like to lose to the Nets. Um, I do think that it's anytime we play the Nets, my expectations are to beat them. Uh, I, yeah. I think, you know, the Knicks are, it, it's a winnable game. Simple as that. Uh, I think it's not going to be as easy as it was on opening night against the Hawks. As you know, as you mentioned, Russell's very inconsistent, but he's had some big games against the Knicks so far in his short tenure with uh, Brooklyn. But you know, I look for Cantor to kind of back up that smack talk, and I think he has. Anytime he's been involved in something, I know he's went after LeBron, and LeBron's kind of done what LeBron's always done to the Knicks. But he he does that to every team. But I feel like Cantor, uh, he he has been able to back up a lot of his talk. And I think, you know, we saw it in the preseason game, like I said, a couple of weeks ago, or uh, he had a 20-20 and 20 in a preseason game. You could see how hard he was playing that night because uh, 
he wants to back up that that trash talk. You 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 struggle, and and everybody's going to remember what you were tweeting, what you were saying. Uh, so I think Cantor is going to be highly motivated, and yeah, I I don't think Cantor had to play. His numbers weren't bad. That's not what I'm saying, but you know the first game of the year with the Knicks. Uh, taking care of business against the Hawks, you know he wasn't. He didn't have to play monster minutes. He didn't have to touch the ball that much throughout the game. I mean, he got seven shot ups, shot, so yeah, seven shot attempts. Uh, had sixteen and eleven. That's really solid. It was very efficient. Obviously, from the field, actually he had nine shots, five and nine. I was looking at his free throws. I was like, I don't think that's right. Uh, if he has that that many points, but point is, I think in this game. He's going to be what we have seen in the past, uh, crashing the board, several offensive rebounds. And I, I think you know, he had a double-double in game one. I think he can pick up another double-double against the Nets. And yeah, I, I do feel like this is just a winnable game. I expect the Knicks to win. Uh, I'll tell you what, and, and I'll share with what I want to see from some of these guys. Again, Ron Baker with his minutes just hit that open shot. I would like to see a little bit more um, offense from Frank Milkeen. I know that's not his game, but he's got to hit some of those mid-range shots. You know, I'm not asking for him to be an elite three-point shooter because he's, I don't think he's ever going to be. Whatever. But that mid-range jump shot, I want to see him hit those. Uh, and, and I would like to see Kevin Knox settle in a little bit more. Again, I think he was a little too amped up in the first game. I, I think he rushed. A lot of his shots that I that I saw that I'm it just he needed to settle down and he just couldn't. Uh, so I think I'm looking out for those things, but I really do feel like this is a winnable game. I think the Knicks have a good chance to start off the year two and zero. And and Chip, I kind of want to ask you the same thing. What are some of the things that you want to see in Game Two? Um, maybe is it Tim Hardaway Jr. or something like that? That can he? repeat his effort but you get the point you know what is something in game two that you want to see from the Knicks well that was definitely something I always want to see like I agree with you a more aggressive Frank Nielakina uh he always he took uh seven shots in the first game I'd like to see him take even more um I think he's still too uh hesitant when attacking the rim um he settles for too many jumpers like you said, offense, and like we said many times, offense never going to be a strong suit, but I'd like to see him attack the rim more. Um, obviously, I want to see, or I don't want to see, I hope that a poor night from Kevin Knox doesn't affect him in any way whatsoever. I want to see him take 15-plus more shots on Friday night. Um, and, you know, I'd... Well, so I'm going to see. I want to see 20 and 20 from Ennis Cantor. That would right. be nice. Yep. <laughs> but uh, realistically, uh, yeah, I would like to see a similar performance from Tim Hardaway. It was nice to see him take mostly. You know, there was some some uh, some poor shot selection that came out every once in a while. He had a couple heat uh, heat check moments yes. where you're like, okay, slow down, but. For the most part, we had there was good sh- uh, shot selection from Tim Hardaway uh, in the opener, so that was good to see. It's yeah, I mean, look, he's always going to be where he's going. He's going to be a, a gunslinger. He's going to be a gunslinger, but 
Look, it was it was good to see a, a good night from Tim Hardaway uh, in the opener because he uh, opened the season so terribly last year that had to be good for his confidence to have a nice opening game. That's right. So the New York Knicks and the Nets tip off tomorrow around 7 o'clock, game two of the season. So we'll see if the Knicks can pull out a win. But we are going to take a break. When we come back, we are finally going to wrap up our Nick all-time list. So we're going to see right now if uh, we have a little bit of difference at the top. So we'll get into that in just a moment. Hi, everybody. This is Chip Murphy, co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast and boss of all New York Knicks content at EliteSportsNY.com. To follow my work, you can find me on Twitter at, at Chipper Murphy. All right, welcome back to the final segment of the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Now, throughout the offseason, we've been doing the top 10, our top 10 of Knicks of all time. You know, the, what we think are the top 10 best Knicks. And uh, we're finally going to wrap it up here as the season just started this week. And Chip, we'll start with you at number two. I think everybody knows who our one and two is. That's just, that's the way it is. Um, but yeah, at number two, who do you got? Yeah, there's only two options left. Uh, at number two, I have the voice of the New York Knicks, uh, Walt Clyde Frazier. Now, I know that's going to be controversial with some. A lot of people think he should be number one. But uh, I have a number two. Uh, he's Obviously, he's the point guard uh, of uh, both New York Knicks championship teams, 70 and 73, seven-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA first team, seven-time NBA All-Defensive first team. Um, just some incredible stats if you look at him uh i think he was he was uh all-star game mvp too in 74 75 uh seven times an all-star in 10 years with the knicks and you forget he actually he was in cleveland for three seasons i totally forgot about that before we were researching for all this but um yeah it's clyde frazier is second for me um he Look, I think he's one of the more underrated players right. in uh, the NBA. When they talk about great point guards, they never bring up Clyde. It's always uh, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, John Stockton, Oscar Robertson. And those guys are great, but Clyde Frazier's numbers are incredible, too. You know, so And obviously, he's uh, up there in all the all-time Knicks records. Name one, he's got it. Um but uh, the guy who leads in pretty much every Knicks all-time record you can think of is the guy who's number one for me, and that is the great Patrick Ewing. I know Patrick Ewing never won a championship, but this guy is an 11-time All-Star. He was Rookie of the Year. He averaged, when he was with the Knicks, 15 years these are this is his stat line with the Knicks for 15 seasons because he played in Seattle for one year and Orlando for one year, but the 15 years he was with the Knicks, he played in and started 1,039 games. He averaged 36.2 minutes and shot 15.8 percent from the field. 
his free throw percentage was 74%. Or no, his free throw percentage was 74.2%. And he scored 22.8 points per game and 10.4 and averaged 10.4 rebounds per game and 2.7 blocks per game. That is a dominant stat. That's over 15 seasons he put up those numbers. 22 and 10 and 2.7 blocks over 15 seasons. Those are dominant numbers, man. That's amazing. And think about all the games he played. And I'm looking at this, too, for what is it? It's one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. For nine straight seasons, Patrick Ewing played 76-plus games right. in nine straight years. And in four of – in one, two, three, five of those years, he played 80-plus. <laughs> That's insane. For a big man – can you imagine a big man doing that in today's game, man? Right. That's That would just never happen. Joel Embiid sits out a game if he stubs his toe getting off the bus. Exactly. Like <laughs> – that's just insane. The guy put up such amazing numbers. Like he's first in uh, Nick's uh, career games played. He played one thousand. Like I said, one thousand thirty nine games played for the Knicks. Clyde is second with seven hundred and fifty nine. Yeah, <laughs> no one's ever going to top that. Yeah, minutes played. He's first. 37,586. Again, Clyde is second with 28,995. No one's ever going to stop that. No one's ever going to top that one. Um, what else does he have? He has uh, points, obviously. He has um, uh, rebounds, obviously. 10,759 rebounds. Willis is in second with 8,000. He has blocks, obviously. Uh, he has steals. Um, pretty much... Any any record that you can think of that is an assist, uh, Patrick Ewing has it with the Knicks. It's truly amazing. He just like uh, like I said, I think him and Clyde might be obviously unbiased, but two of the most underrated players in NBA history, just because Clyde uh, gets overlooked because of the point guards I mentioned before, and because Patrick Ewing played at the same time as Michael Jordan and never won a championship. But, uh, yeah, that's my little, I love Patrick Ewing, obviously. So that's my little Patrick Ewing, uh, rant there for you. I love the guy. So (laughs) I'm happy to talk about him whenever I can. Right. And you know what? Again, there is one and two is kind of, you're going to have some that say this, some to say that, but I mean, this is one of the easier things when you. It, it's obvious that these guys are one and two, um, yeah. and uh, it was perfect timing uh, because, of course, you know. It, sometimes you guys probably hear in the background my, my dog. He likes to do uh, the podcast with us sometimes, and as you said, Patrick Ewing, he started shaking, so his little bell on his <laughs> collar went off. So he he disagreed, and Chip. I disagree as well. Not that I'm going to say you're crazy for saying that he's number one. That's not, that's not the case here. I just lean towards White Clyde, uh, Walt Clyde Frazier 
as being the best Nick of all time and Patrick Ewing being number two. And, you know, it was funny because you mentioned the amount of games that were played by Patrick Ewing and you talked about Joel Embiid stubs his toe off his foot. Well, Przingis is kind of the same way right now, you know. So I think you're right that 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 record's probably going to remain with, with Patrick uh, probably for a long time, might not, not might never get broken. Uh, but what does it for me, of course, is that championship, and, and Walt has two, and I, I get it. You know, I know the other side of it that could say, look at all the other Hall of Famers that Walt Clyde Frazier got to play with. You know, not that Patrick Ewing didn't have some good teams, obviously in the '90s, and good players around him as well, but. Clyde had had a lot of Hall of Famers, and yes, uh, that that is true. But I look, and I've said this before. I think his Game Seven performance in the nineteen seventy NBA Finals is probably the most underrated performance in Finals history. You don't ever hear anybody talk about Walt Clyde Frazier's nineteen seventy Finals. You know, ever you you nope. watch all these clips on ESPN of all these great performances in the finals. You see stuff about LeBron and Kobe and you know Durant's great performances recently, and going back to Shaq and you know Michael Jordan, of course, and Larry Bird and man, you hear all about that, but yet you never hear about Game Seven performance uh, by Walt Clark Frazier. I mean, the guy had thirty six points. And 19 assists. There were no three-pointers back then, obviously. Uh, That's 72, 74 points. I don't do math, but it's somewhere around there. Points that were contributed because of Clyde Frazier against the Lakers. This is, to me, I think it's the greatest Game 7 performance in Finals history. I mean, win or you you don't have a championship ring. He came out ready to play that night. 36 points, 19 assists, and 7 rebounds. He did everything. He did everything. Uh, you know, really, that's the golden era for, for the New York Knicks. And the 90s were close, but we never got that ring. And, and as much as I love Patrick Ewing, because I do, it's that's the only reason that I can put Clyde Frazier ahead of Patrick Ewing. You know, I know that the Knicks went to two championships with Ewing. Uh, 94, I think, was his best shot to win, and I get it. You know, he loses to uh, Hakeem the Dream and solid Houston team, but that was the best chance we had. That series went to seven, uh, and we fell, obviously. I know in the 99 finals, uh, that was basically the start of the Spurs dynasty, and, you know, Ewing was hurt, didn't even shoot up. Uh, so it, 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 it also doesn't help that Ewing had to play in the era of Michael Jordan because there's so many great players like Charles Barkley and all these guys, Carl Malone, John Stockton, the guys that don't have rings because Michael Jordan played, you know? So it, I, that's the only reason that I have to put Clyde Frazier ahead of them. You can't go wrong with having these guys one or two, but if you have to pick just one, those are my reasoning behind it, but there you have it. Um, I am going to put on Twitter, Chip, our our, our 10 guys that we put. Uh, we could see uh, who the people agree with. 
So that that should be something fun. I'll have that up when I post uh, this podcast uh, tomorrow. But that is all the time we have. We are going to wrap it up. And when we come back next week, of course, we'll break down more of what we have seen so far uh, from the Knicks this season. So you're not going to want to miss that. But again, we thank you for listening to the Knicks State of Mind podcast and be tuned in next week for another episode.